we all started as as analysts right i mean i passed out of isi and started to doing this work hands on from day one and and then you know kind of saw a lot happening over these years so was aditya nanuj you know they they joined as i said you know in our earliest early team in in the previous company and they were you know kind of hands on analyst you know data scientist data engineers whatever whatever you call these terms gets invented so it's very important for us to you know what we are building is very important for us it's 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 not about you know a financial model right so it's it's not just about the business it's about the work that we do the problems that we solve right i mean you know how can we add value hi wherever you're listening to us i hope you're doing well welcome to the startup fridays weekly conversations with accomplished entrepreneurs and vc investors i'm hari arakli and in this episode shoyan de banerji co-founder and ceo at the math company talks about how his 6 year old venture has grown from strength to strength building custom analytics solutions for some of the world's biggest companies over 3 years ago banerji and his two co-founders aditya kumbakonam and anuj krishna switched from building analytics teams for customers to building applications around their own intellectual property a sophisticated no code platform they call codex he also talks about how he's always had an entrepreneurial streak the advantages of not taking vc money too early lessons they had to learn or unlearn as practitioners who are new to hardcore sales and finding personal space and time for his love of the sitar Uh, here goes uh, Sharon. Welcome to and everyone calls you Sharon, right? Yes, everybody calls me Sharon. <laughs> so welcome so much to this podcast. Thank you and uh, thank you for making time for this. Really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, my pleasure, my uh, pleasure, Hari. Yeah, you're you're in a field now that's really happening also because of all the very recent developments in AI and so on. And of course, within the industry, I'm sure folks know your work and your company and so on. Uh, for a more general audience, uh, maybe you could, you know, kick us off by just giving us a, a snapshot uh, of how you got to start the math company. Uh, maybe even start with uh, your college, uh, yeah. statistics yeah. major, and from there to becoming an entrepreneur. Give us a quick overview, and we'll go from there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and you're right. You know, I, I think I think everything starts from. almost your childhood your college your school you know kind of there is nothing happens you know i think without a reason um so i'm a i'm a bengali born brought up mostly educated uh, in kolkata um i'm a student of economics i i i heard you saying statistics major ah. so i am a student of economics uh, did my undergrad in economics uh, ah. from presidency college uh, right. now famous thanks to all the nobel laureates from the country right um and then did my masters from isi indian statistical institute and ah. and that's where uh, you know did a very interesting uh, course called qe quantitative economics which ah. is a combination of economics statistics and mathematics oh, right. uh, and they used to teach a little bit of uh, computer science as well mm-hmm. so um, i was i was i would say that i was i was very lucky that i i got a, a break or a chance into the field of what used to be called analytics at least at at, at that stage uh, right from the beginning of my career right so mm. so worked uh, in this industry now for almost 25 years right um the bigger uh, you know uh, stay or the stints are are uh, i used to work for ge uh, general electric um 
in Bangalore and then you know I I've been in Bangalore now for all this 25 years so mm. so though I am uh, you know originally a, a Bengali born and brought up in in Kolkata and all the good stuff but uh, I I call myself a Bangalorean right moved to Bangalore good 25 years back and and been here all this while um I started uh, you know as I said you know kind of G was was a, was a very very good good stint um uh, in in Bangalore and a part of that stint was uh, in the US in Connecticut with uh, G Consumer Finance um you know that is a there's a very interesting opportunity under break very early on in my career uh, uh, but you know kind of once that project was done decided to move back to India and uh, started with my uh, you know I would say somewhat my first entrepreneurial venture though I was not the founder uh, you know I was the founding team member of uh, Mu Sigma I'm sure um, you and everybody else would have heard about Mu Sigma I started on like day 0 of Mu Sigma with the with the founder uh, founder is to be based out of Chicago I moved back to India you know started off uh, you know our our operations in bangalore and and that was a great run you know great run for you know more than 11 years you know kind of almost 12 uh building you know one of the largest uh, pure play data analytics company and so and so forth uh to your question you know um how did how did math company happen uh, you know i i call myself and and you know even my co-founders call themselves as um, entrepreneurs by chance or or entrepreneurs by accident um because it so happened that uh, we uh, you know i i i decided to uh, move out of my previous company and was you know thinking and figuring out what next and uh, and at that stage you know kind of one conversation led to the other and and the math company happened so so it was not that you know i am you know there is a you know great uh, you know idea with which you know i i i left and and wanted to start uh, the math company but yes over the last um, Six six and a half years now. Um, this has been a phenomenal journey. Um, you know, I think we have uh, built um, already something. You know, kind of which is which is very special, uh, very interesting. But I I I really look forward to the next. You know, kind of six, twelve, eighteen, twenty-four, whatever number of years uh, to to build a great institution. So so that that's that's a little bit of of the chronology and and the journey. Okay, all right. How did uh, you and your co-founders get together? Right, you had two other co-founders. Right? Yes, and, I, I have two. And more, more recently also, I think I saw Anuj's name in one of your press releases. Mm. Uh, Aditya. Aditya Kumbakonam. Yeah, right. So, how did you all get together? And I saw that they were probably colleagues at uh, Mu Sigma. That's that's that correct. Yeah. That's correct. So I I met Aditya and Anuj uh, in the early days of Mu Sigma. Mm. um they they were part of uh, our initial team that we formed you know if you look at the first 10 15 people in the first year or so uh they they joined uh, music very early on and we worked together for good 10 11 years um you know we knew each other um you know had lot of respect for each other you know uh, really really liked our thought process so So when we left um, you know they left a few months before me and uh, Aditya and Anuj by the way are are uh, are classmates from IIT Madras so, ah, okay. so uh, or batchmates rather they're they're from different streams so batchmates from IIT Madras joined straight from college uh, to 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 the previous company Musigma and then we worked together for good 10 11 years so they left and they were you know looking to get started um, I left we started talking about you know what what's our uh next next journey what our next phase of our journey looks like and that's how the math company was born mm-hmm. so 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 know them know them for a bit now mm. uh when you guys started off 
what was the idea behind math company at that time what was it that you all wanted to tackle in terms of a problem you thought that you would have an interesting innovative solution which was also maybe a business opportunity and then maybe we can dive into what the company is evolved into now sure sure absolutely um see when when we started uh, this was this was late 2016 right early 2017 um the field is field is already you know kind of i don't say booming it's exploding already i mean whatever we see now i think that that process had started right last 5 to 10 years easily um and we had a you know kind of a good vantage point that we have spent a good amount of time in the industry you know i i, I had spent time with uh, g you know kind of g has been one of the pioneers in terms of leveraging data leveraging analytics to make decisions and and then then obviously musigma has been a great story so had a good fortune to to understand that at least for large enterprises um you know it is it is definitely becoming more and more mainstream right leveraging data leveraging you know what what was slowly you know becoming more of ai you know kind of that whole artificial intelligence thing was coming up that was becoming no longer a a, a good to have like a, like a research topic like you know kind of something in the corner of an enterprise this has started to become mainstream and we felt very strongly that it is going to be very important for this at least the large enterprises to build this capability right to have certain amount of control on this whole capability that they're building so instead of just working with you know partners and vendors and you know other providers as you can think about they need to also build some amount of capability be a little more self sufficient and that's when you know kind of the whole thing will flourish i think we believe that then and we continue to believe it right till date so if you look at our our initial journey hari we uh, you know we started with this whole uh, you know uh, objective that will help large enterprises become more self sufficient by building analytics center of excellences for them so our initial you know year or two was focused on not just providing you know kind of solutions to many problems but providing solution to the bigger problem that how do i build a world class you know kind of analytical capability right in house and on my side mm-hmm. so if you look at some of our initial engagements we were actually helping them to build analytical center of excellences we are helping them to figure out what the strategy should be you know how should they should work with you know their own internal stakeholders what the roadmap should look like help them to hire the right kind of teams you know train them coach them to you know make sure that they are up to speed on the latest and the greatest and and really you know kind of build a self sufficient center for them so if you if you look at our first couple of years uh, you know a good part of the journey was in was in that direction right now what happened over a period of time and because you asked the question that where we evolved um we continued to you know believe in that whole self sufficiency in that journey but over a period of time we realized that a better way of doing that is by leveraging technology rather than just purely leveraging people based solution i mean you know for lack of a better word the earlier solution was more of a people based solution eh? that you you hire a great team and then you lay the road map you know kind of create the strategy and and then you know boom it goes yeah um uh, we we slowly you know kind of started pivoting into what we call as building 
business application for our clients mm -hmm. because we felt that these applications uh, and and these are like you know enterprise grade great softwares to be to be honest uh, so these are these are the you know uh, these are the applications that we started helping these large enterprises to build that will help them to become self sufficient in solving many of their problems mm -hmm. so and and that's where i'm sure we'll we'll we can talk more in details that's where our own proprietary platform codex uh, you know kind of came into being uh, codex being the platform on which these applications are getting built and if you look at us today that's the direction that we are headed in you know that's the direction in which we are again enabling you know kind of our clients mostly this large fortune 500 large global enterprises mm. to be able to solve you know many of their critical business problems so so that's that's where we are you know kind of headed or or if you think of evolve to or or pivoted to right mm. but but the fundamental concept i think remains the same and very passionate about it Uh, who were some of your earliest customers the ones that you can talk about um unfortunately i i can't uh, talk so these are these are again large global fortune 500 multinationals right, right. Uh, unfortunately you know kind of our clauses prevent me to name them you know kind of exactly but these are you know if you look at particularly the retail space the cpg space uh, you know the the insurance space these are these are some of the top top four top five you know kind of in that oh. that that caliber of of clients which will which will help you understand that what we are trying to do early on and today has all your revenue now shifted to you know you are, you all your sales is around the ip that you have built and you are no longer consulting on setting up these centers of excellence that, that's correct that's correct mm. I, i think it took us some obviously you know kind of took a year or two to you know move away from that particular model because you, you either do this or either do that you don't want to uh. create confusion you know uh, in the mind of your clients that you know mm. I, i can do a i can do b i can do c right i mm. mean that that creates you know too much of confusion mm. so yes we we don't do any of those consulting anymore uh, or 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 running that setting that up you know we don't do that anymore uh, but yes we we definitely have you know moved in terms of building business applications for our clients solving a variety of critical business problems Hmm. And uh, again, is there a um, you know you build business applications uh, on the one side, and is there another component where you build business applications around your IP, like Codex? Okay, so so let me let me uh, take a moment to to try and explain Codex, right? Hmm. Um, so Codex is a platform. The easiest way to explain Codex is that it is an application builder. Okay, so Codex is is our IP, on which we leverage clients' data, and build a custom application for our client. The application is client's IP. We completely give ownership to the client, right? Codex is is our IP that we bring to the table. That hey, you know what? For a consumer goods company, right? If you have to do demand forecasting, and I'm taking some simplistic example, which will be easy to understand, I think, for mm, everyone. Mm. If you are doing demand forecasting, right? Codex has already built in a lot of that workflow, right? right? Because that that's our you know kind of proprietary knowledge that over a period of time we have solved this problem many a times, mm. for which we know what are the right you know data to pull, what kind of data munging needs to happen, what data treatments has to happen before you build 
what right modeling technique needs to be used. You know, here are the four or five right techniques for demand forecasting. Don't use anything else. This is the champion model. Show that output in outcome. So, mm -hmm. so Codex for us is a is our IP, but it's a platform. It's a it's an application builder, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And every application that we build is a custom application for our clients. So, okay. so we are we are not taking a ready-made application to the client and saying, hey, here is my product. Right? We are we are not in that. Okay. So it's closer to maybe a low-code kind of. It's a. Mm, it is a. It is a. In fact, a no-code environment. No code, not not okay. even a low-code environment. All right. It's a. It's an accelerator. It's a productivity enhancer. It is a. It's a great uh, you know knowledge management at the end of the day because you know people are not reinventing the wheel because if I have to do it, Codex has a built-in workflow. That's my base. Now if I can. Improve on top of that. I'll improve on top of that. That that's that's uh, happens on. Okay. Yes, it's, it's a it's a no code uh, environment that allows my data scientists and my engineers to you know build these applications much better and much faster. Mm. And it's sort of very uh, specifically fine tuned towards building analytics uh, applications absolutely. for absolutely. customers. Absolutely. These are all analytics applications, and it's fine tuned towards that. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the whole workflow, if you visualize, you know, kind of codex, maybe at some time, I'll love to, you know, kind of uh, show you what it is, you know, whenever we get a chance, we, we open up our screens and show, you know, look, this is what it is. But it literally goes all the way from data extraction, because you know, it all starts from these are the source data, you extract data, you do a bunch of data treatments, then you build your predictive models, build your KPIs, and then you render it in some form of UI, right? Here mm. is here is what the outcome looks like. Here is what the, you know, here is what your trend looks like. Here is what you know the segments look like, so and so forth. Right? So that's the end. So it is it is built, it is it is it is meant to be built building, you know, kind of uh, the kind of applications that we are building for our clients. Mm -hmm. So so now I get a better sense of uh, how how it works. So on the business uh, model front as well, then. I'm thinking maybe it's not like a subscription, but more they pay no. you for they pay you for the applications that you build That's for them. Correct. So so there's a there's a there's a development period where there's a development fee, and then there's an ongoing. I won't call it just maintenance. There's an ongoing engagement fee, you know, which includes some of licensing components, which includes constantly, you know, kind of improving the model. It 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 includes enhancing the data sources because see we work in problem areas which are not done and dusted right yeah. this is a problem which tomorrow will evolve because there is a new source of data that is coming from social media there is a new you know images that are getting created which can be a great input to this particular problem statement so so it needs to it needs to have a life on its own right mm -hmm. all of this application mm -hmm. so we keep we obviously you know kind of stay along the journey and stay that alive stay it alive but there is obviously a a development period and then then there is you know multi phase development phase 1 phase 2 phase 3 mm -hmm. What is interesting here is if you look at most of our client engagement, it is not only one application that we are building. There may be an application that we are building which helps them to say, you know, set the right price for their product. Mm -hmm. right? So it's 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 a it's a pricing, you know, kind of an engine that we are building for them. But at the same time, we are building probably an assortment optimization. That what is the right assortments to keep? What is the right particular product categories that you should keep, how many units you should keep. That's a problem that we are solving where we are building another application for them. We are probably building a marketing spend optimization application that how do you optimize your marketing spend, right? If you have to spend $100, where should that go? Should that go into your online digital ads? Should it go into TV promotions? Mm -hmm. Should you be sponsoring IPL and, you know, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So, so interestingly, you know, we are building one application 
staying with that you know through its lifetime but parallelly also building because there are so many problems that needs to get solved right for these large enterprises so that's that's what you know because you ask the engagement model our engagement model is not application based it's not about that okay you go build this application and then you move out which which typically happens in a you know pure uh, you know engineering products or 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 in a software development kind of an environment our right. engagements are 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 fairly long term you know kind of we engage with our clients in building not one but many applications over a period of time so you'll find most engagements or most client relationships are multi year right last two years last three years last four years last five years also we are we are engaging with some of our clients mm. and what what sort of the direction in which you are heading now in the sense that uh, since you said it's more like a no code uh, you know environment yes. uh, so to me the obvious sort of follow on question was maybe you already have some power users who are telling you that you know give us tools that we can use on the self service basis i mean especially in the us and all people are very kind of familiar and used used to uh, self service right especially on the saas front so i'm i'm wondering whether that's something that makes sense to you yes um self service is a is a is a very uh, interesting topic hari i mean we can probably have a you know sure. whole whole session on self service because what you said is true it is true for a lot of digital native companies uh-huh. when you work with you know the classic let's not call it old school but the classic enterprises if you look at some of the large retailers and if you look at some of the large consumer good companies there are enough and more you know kind of part of that company who are still looking for you know really a solution and not necessarily a self serve but but that's a that's a discussion and a, and a and a debate for another day but these applications are essentially what is making this whole thing self serve mm. right what we have not done so far and and that is by design we have not we have not taken codex and opened it up to the world saying that now you can build your application in the future that that can be one direction that you can take that you you know kind of you almost open source it and they say that you can build your application on on codex as well but that's that's probably for some future date right now it is our ip this is this is this is our competitive advantage when we go to the clients right um so yes the client wants self serve what we are giving them is this application because the front end of that application is nothing but a self serve tool because if i have to decide what is the right price for this product i don't need to go to the raw data and start coding all over again right this application that i have built allows me to pick the right skews for which i'm looking for the price points you know probably put a few constraints that i want to put constraints that look i know the competitor price for example so i don't want an you know kind of a recommendation which is above this price point so you know, different times there are business consideration that comes in that put some guardrails if you will right for that one and then you you get an answer from this application so so you are obviously have to work with that it is it is not a it is not a powerpoint slide that is giving you a specific answer it is a it is a powerhouse of possible answers right that that is sitting with you and that is what i called as as self serve that you you know kind of do it so the definition of self serve can be different right i mean sometimes uh, self serve could be okay i am able to drag and drop like you said you know in a no code environment to look at not just this region but compare this region with some other region right i i should be have the ability to do that 
the front end that we built and because it's a custom front end that is built for the client can allow you to do this and many more things right so it depends on what what is your purpose and we are building it custom that gives us a big edge than oh sorry you know kind of this software cannot allow you to do this right so we we don't have any of those problems so so that that's that's where you know kind of so in to your question where we are headed we are you know kind of fairly settled in our mindset because we have seen lot of traction lot of you know interest and and real value add by building these applications on codex the way we are building so we are focused on building more and more and more applications see we are as as a business we are industry agnostic we are vertical agnostic and we are function agnostic so we have not necessarily gone down the path that we will only work with say for example pharmaceutical companies and only on commercial side of the business right so there's a horizontal vertical cut that you can decide that you'll go deeper into our approach always has been as a true problem solver right as a as a real you know kind of a trusted partner of of our clients right we will go across you know kind of the horizontal space that is i'll solve marketing problems i'll solve pricing problems i'll solve supply chain problems you know some of the key problem areas and we go across verticals right but having said that if you see our portfolio of clients today right we work with about 60 odd large fortune 500 clients many are fortune 100 some are fortune 10 we have we have seen very very you know kind of good traction and depth in terms of retail in terms of consumer goods and in terms of healthcare um but that being said you know there uh, that being said we obviously have some of the largest tech companies some of the large automotive companies also in in terms of our clients but there is so much more room to grow so many more problems to solve right so which we are constantly building you know kind of as the as the codex team they are constantly building the base layer right that we can start off when we go to a client and build a custom product hmm give us a sense and sort of an overview a birds eye view of uh, all that you've you know already achieved today you know in terms of your overall scale of operations i mean total number sure. of customers all the different markets that you present in number of people on your team and so on I mean, sure. anything else that comes to your mind to illustrate this to illustrate this absolutely um when you said you know kind of what you have already achieved um i, I get this question quite a bit and uh-huh. I, and i always say that you know entrepreneurs are are a, are a very difficult lot to please i mean i, I yes we we have we have done well uh, but achieved is a is a very you know is, is a loaded word right mm-hmm. but but uh, you know uh, coming to the to some of the facts um we are a, we are a fairly young company from you know all all respect we are just above 6 years now mm-hmm. um we have seen really good growth we have doubled in size every year since we started and this is went through you know the difficult years the covid years and and so on and so forth mm-hmm. uh, so that's that's great uh, from a from a size perspective we are about 2000 odd colleagues uh, 2000 odd you know team size globally of which about 150 odd are in the us about 20 25 are in europe and the rest are in india i can't say bangalore anymore because our teams are work in a work from anywhere mode so our our, our policy is work from anywhere so wherever people are based off right yeah. so so literally they are in 250 different you know by the last count that i saw they're in 250 different cities towns villages whatever whatever you want to call it in in india right so so that's that's from a team size 
we um, we work with about as i said already about 60 you know large fortune 500 fortune 100 some fortune 10 10 clients um very heavy concentration right now on retail cpg healthcare mostly pharmaceutical as as part of healthcare but our approach has always been vertical agnostic and horizontal agnostic right from a geography standpoint our prime clientele is in the us um i'll 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 say north america because we are doing you know certain amount of work in canada as well but us is is 85% of the business from a revenue perspective the rest comes from europe so as a geography right now we are focused on this too primarily having said that you know there is you know kind of once or one or two things that are happening in india or in asia but but these are more opportunistic i would say it, it it's not you know kind of as a strategy that these are the markets that that you are you are focused on um we have we have we have seen you know kind of good recognition from the from the market um you know all the way from deloitte you know kind of tech fast 50 calling us the fastest growing you know company financial times uh, you know uh, gartner you know kind of you know mentioning us in the magic quadrant which which was which is really great you know kind of that early on um Uh, so 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 you know kind of there are there are tons of those uh, Everest Peak Matrix uh, ISG I'm sure yeah. Nirupam and Piyush can you know kind of uh, you know add add to that a lot more uh, I I personally get get uh, very excited obviously you know every time there is a acknowledgement from a third party from outside you know you you feel good because you know that that recognizes the effort that you and the team is putting together but every time an individual is is recognized you know it it, it makes you feel so much better right i mean mm-hmm. so in india for example you know there is this um, you know 40 under 40 data scientists you know that that has been uh, you know started by uh, you know one of the publications for the last few years some of our people has definitely got recognized there so so that that makes me feel feel really good uh the other component is is generally people ask about um, you know uh, how are you you know sponsored how are you you know kind of uh, funded so we we uh, we we bootstrapped we we started you know kind of uh, the three of us you know kind of uh, put in our our own savings started the company we ran our own team you know kind of for the first three years um it was mostly the the sharp growth that uh, you know prompted us to you know at least look for external sources of fund at some point because you know while while this is not a business that requires uh, a lot of money to be pumped in in the initial years like what a standard product or a platform company would be but nevertheless when you are growing at that speed you know in this line of business you know there is always a little bit of a again demand supply gap right mm-hmm. in in terms of what it is so so we were bootstrapped for the first um, you know 3 years then we did one smallish round we call this the pre series a round with uh, the patni family office right. um aryan patni uh, has been in the board since then uh, you know uh, 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 you know kind of great great person to have you know kind of with us all these years uh, early last year uh, beginning of uh, you know 22 we announced our series a1 round with brighton park capital where we raised a fairly significant amount and uh, we feel that you know now we are well you know kind of set for you know the big haul over the next 4 to 5 years for sure so that's 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 you know kind of at least the uh, in a nutshell the journey so far yeah i mean by way of some ho- homework i try to look at some basic uh, numbers i mean you all have raised upwards of 50 million dollars now yeah. and the, the the last round was about 50 million yeah, and and but you guys are also sort of in the startup world in india 
kind of unique position where you still retain largely the control of the company that's correct so i guess that gives you a lot of leeway in terms of how you want to shape the future of the company we absolutely would want to do that hari i mean uh, you know one of the reason to not raise money at the start there were there were definitely interest there were there were interest uh, you know kind of to to fund uh, you know at the seed stage right when when you are not not even have started yeah. um one of the reason to to stay away was because we wanted to build the company the way we want to build uh, you know you'll find uh, this not not necessarily interesting or otherwise but if you look at the three of us as i said we are we are entrepreneurs by accident or by chance but we are practitioners Yeah. we all started as as analysts right i mean i passed out of isi and started you know doing this work hands on from day one and and then you know kind of saw a lot happening over these years so was aditya nanuj you know they they joined as i said you know in our earliest early team in in the previous company and they were you know kind of hands on analyst you know data scientist data engineers whatever whatever you want to call these terms gets invented mm. so it's very important for us to you know what we are building is very important for us it, it's it's not about you know a financial model right so it's it's not just about the business it's about the work that we do the problems that we solve right i mean you know how can we add value to to all the stakeholders to our clients to our team members and now to our investors as well right so so it is not not just one way street you know kind of it's a Uh, you know, being a techie, it's 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 a multivariate model, as they call it, right? Yeah. Not not univariate. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna come back and pick up these two points: the challenges of being practitioners first, and what you had to learn and unlearn, maybe. Absolutely. And also down the line, you know, lessons in terms of uh, the entrepreneurial journey. Absolutely. For example, not taking money too early, uh, but in before that, briefly, give us a sense of how you're growing as a company. again i think uh, you're a profitable company now for at least 2 years yeah so 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 no so we we have been uh, profitable almost from the beginning ah okay yeah mm. um honestly you know uh, the business we are in right where you are building custom applications for your clients as long as you are able to you know kind of have clients early on mm. uh you there is no reason for you not to be profitable now as i told you right we have we have seen very good growth we have uh, you know doubled in size uh, almost every year since the inception um we continue to you know kind of foresee that as our journey if you look at the next 4 to 5 years now, now the base has grown a lot more right it's it's one thing to grow from 10 people to 20 people it's a very different story to grow from 1000 to 2000 and from 2000 to 4000 is a very different journey right so but but that's that's the direction in which we are headed now uh obviously you know kind of at present there is a little bit of a lull in the market there is recessionary pressure i always say that look all that it means that we will not grow by 100% maybe we'll grow by 60% so we'll we'll still see good amount of growth but we'll probably be slower just in the immediate short term you know and and which is which is a world by the way right i mean you cannot be someone very very different and and completely you know kind of beating all of those but if i look at a slightly longer horizon and and that just means 4 to 5 years we do foresee you know kind of that kind of a growth to establish ourselves clearly as a leader in this niche data analytics ai space when i say niche you know that today everybody you know who provides some form of services be it the large it services company be it the bpm companies be it be it the you know the big four be it the strategic consulting firms everybody is doing something or the other in this space right but the way i want to look at you know kind of us as and our immediate competition is 
is the niche analytics play, right? People who are just focused on doing, you know, work around data, data science, data engineering, AI, ML, right? All put together to make decisions. So, so for among the niche companies, if we, you know, kind of keep on to that, the journey, you know, clearly looking at being the, being the clearly the leader in this space in the next four to five years. So that's, that's kind of, you know, where, where we are headed uh, mm -hmm. from a, from a mindset perspective, uh, you know, making the right calls and the right investments to make sure that we are on that path, right? So that that's where we are. So I'm thinking even in the backdrop of uh, a, a global economic slowdown, if your customers are still using your, uh, you know, uh, your tech to the level where you're thinking of still growing quite significantly. Uh, so obviously they are deriving a lot of value yeah. out of it. Uh, so, give us one specific example of, you know, uh, sure. how you're helping them, maybe uh, in some way of quantifying the sort of outcome for them. Sure, sure. I, I'll, 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 I'll take two examples, okay? I'll, I'll take two examples because I'll give one which um, uh, may not uh, sound very, uh, for lack of a better word, very sexy, but, but which adds tremendous value to our clients. And I'll also add some of the more, you know, recent works with, um, you know, all these large language models, computer vision, you know, mm -hmm. things, you know, more AI that you hear about, right? Uh, <clears throat> the first first example that I'll take is, um, you know, I, I think I gave that example a couple of times. Um, let's take a function like marketing, which which I'm sure all of us, and I'm, I'm taking this example because it's easier to relate to. Let's take a function like marketing. And, and any, any organization that you go to, particularly the large enterprises, will have a fairly large marketing function and they'll have a fairly large marketing budget as well. You know, particularly when you work with consumer good companies, you know, their whole business is about how you can build and maintain your brand, right? It, it's, it's all about the brand at, at the end of the day. So marketing plays such a huge role in, 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 you know, kind of creating that brand, brand perception, bringing that so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a fairly significant spend in their overall spend, right? For particularly consumer good companies. I, mean, I think for every company. But when you when I talk about all your, you know, Unilever's, Procter and Gamble, Coca Cola, you know, those kind of companies, you know, it, it's a fairly large amount of spend. Um, by looking at data, and when I say data, by all your marketing spend by channels, you know, kind of for the first few quarters, first two last so, sorry for the last few quarters for the last two three years. And looking at the return on those investments and putting it all together and using the right kind of math and optimizing it, we are you know, able to deliver millions and dollars of savings for these large enterprises you know, by you know, just optimizing what your spend should be. That if you're spending $100, as I said, right, can you achieve the same outcome by achieving $80? Right. It's a it's a clear 20 percent. Now, for some of these companies, their marketing budget runs into tens and hundreds of millions right? at the end of the day. So so, uh, you know, a 20 percent saving on that, it you know translates to, you know, 20, 25, 30, whatever, you know, kind of a million dollars. Most of these companies are large global enterprises. So you're not only helping them to do that in the US or, or in a particular market. For many of them, we are running global programs for them. So it is going into 20 different markets across the globe. So your savings gets, you know, multiplied by so much, which if you look at particularly the present world where everybody is, you know, kind of focused on spend, you know, control, you know, how do I ensure that I'm, I'm you know, kind of spending, uh, you know, as less as possible because the demand is not that high is, 
is a fantastic value add for our client. So, so this is one area which, to your question, even if they have cost pressure elsewhere, they would want to spend money on this kind of solutions because in turn it helps them to save a lot more money, right? Uh, this is just one example. There are there are many such examples which are more cost optimization oriented. I'll give you a couple of very interesting examples. Um, so for, uh, you know, kind of large uh, consumer good companies, you know, more food manufacturers, people who manufacture food, uh, one of their big, you know, uh, worry is, is what happened to Nestle and, and Maggie in India, right? So their big worry is constantly have your ears and eyes open on all the research work that is happening on food and food ingredients across the globe to see is there some research which is indicating you know, an outcome that can be problematic for my product, right? And, and you know, kind of you don't want to get into a situation where you're not learning about it upfront and making some corrections, rather having to withdraw all your product from the market. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a very, very you know, disastrous outcome right, for, for them. So for one of our clients, uh, you know, we, we did this for one of our clients. Now we are replicating a similar solution for a couple of them. Uh, you know, this is this is called that, you know, where you really scan the horizon and find out all research work and the publications that are happening. Now, this is something that is typically done by very, very qualified individuals, right? You need, you know, kind of PhDs on those topics to constantly. But how many will you will you do? How many will you scan? You know, if you look at and I'm talking about a global scale, right? So it is happening in the US, it's happening in China, it's happening in India, it's happening in the Europe, everywhere, in every university, in every research organization, there are so many research that are happening, right? But the good thing in today's world is all of these research outcomes are accessible. You know, there are, there are aggregators who are aggregating, you know, kind of a lot of these research publications. And there are ways to leverage AI, to leverage language models, to read through all of these, you know, kind of outcomes and sort out that these are the five, you know, which are most likely to create trouble for your food category or for your product category. So for these very highly qualified individuals, we are making it so much more effective, so much more productive because instead of having 20 such people, because it's very difficult to get 20 such highly qualified people. That's the first problem, not even having less. Even if I have five really good qualified people, I can give them 10 articles to read instead of thousands that they were probably going after earlier, right? Mm. Um, that that's another you know kind of examples which is doing multiple things which is helping companies to save reputation probably you know kind of indirectly save saving life because you know if some of those ingredients would have been out there in the market you know that could have been you know not so good for an outcome so so that's that's another example so the good thing about our you know kind of approach and our model is we are you know we look ourselves as a problem solver as I told you. So we approach a client and talk to, depending on which client we are talking to, right? The client is not about the logo or the company. The client is the chief marketing officer. The client is head of research and development, right? The client is senior VP supply chain. So we try and understand, you know, the key problems that they are kind of looking to solve or what is, you know, creating the biggest problem for them, either on the top line or the bottom line, and try and solve that problem. So I, I, I can, you know, kind of go on with, with many more problems that, that we are solving. But I, I hope it gives you a yeah. sense of why, and, and I'm also trying to address that, you know, why it is very useful and valuable, even in these times when people are trying to cut down on spend, cut down on cost, right? Where, as you rightly said, many times they're cutting down on their ongoing engagements. 
in our case, they're saying, no, I need to build two more versions of this model because this can give, has given me such a good result in, in Europe. Let me do it for North America as well. And so, so that, that kind of things are happening. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I came across uh, the, the press release where you spoke about integrating chat GPT yeah, with yeah. Uh, Codex. And yeah, it's really uh, mind-blowing how some of these things are being applied now in specific business use cases. Uh, as long as we are making sure that, you know, we are keeping track of areas where it's it may not be accurate or, you know. Absolutely. All yeah. of those kinds of things. Yeah. Ethics, um, ethics is, is a, is a big course, concern. Yeah. Security is a big concern, right? So all, yeah. of, all of those has, all those boundaries has to be drawn. And, and I, think, I think that is where professionals like us, you know, kind of experts like us also plays a role, right? Because right. we deal with so many problems, so many varieties. Yeah. Yeah. So many in times, a sense, that's like. Uh, yeah. Many times the clients say, tell me, you know, what should I be watching out for? Uh, right? So mm, we, are, we are, I think, better positioned to do yeah, that. Yeah. No, I was just thinking that maybe maybe what I'm saying is not correct. I mean, you're the professional. I uh, Just stuff that I randomly gathered. I was just thinking that in a sense, this is a bit like, uh, uh, I think what now people are calling human reinforced uh, yeah. training or something, right? For AI. Yeah. So, it, it, so where maybe it has less data, but then a human comes in and says, this is not correct, this is correct. That's and then... Correct. It becomes better based on yes, yeah. Yes. So yeah, really amazing stuff. Um, okay, so now let me come back to uh, the earlier point uh, that I was uh, really interested in. Uh, so and and we are kind of I mean uh, segueing more towards learnings from your entrepreneurial journey. Yes, absolutely. Um, I I heard you speak about this in an earlier interview as well uh, about how you and your co-founders you started out as practitioners and therefore did not necessarily know the nitty-gritties of selling something. Uh, so with that as an example, uh, can you talk about what are some of the big challenges you all faced uh, in building the math company to where it is today? Sure. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll start with the same thing. Um, see, I'm, I'm a, as I always say that I'm a student of economics. So I look at everything as a confluence of demand and supply. So for you to, or for any of us to build something meaningful, something long-lasting, something like a math core, you have to, you know, solve your demand issues and you have to solve your supply issues, right, at the end of the day. Um, because of our background and us being practitioners and we have been solving similar problems, I think when we started, this is what, used to, what we used to say, and, and this is very funny, we said, look, if, if somebody trusts us with a use case or a problem statement, even if you don't have anybody to start with, you know, three of us can actually roll up our sleeves and, and actually start solving the problem. You know, there is, there is no issue in, in doing that at all. But what we have never done is what you call as sales or business development. Right? We, have, we, have, we have spoken to clients and buyers a lot, but it, I always say that you know, it will be typically the second conversation. You know, somebody would have you know, pitched the company or, or, or talked about the value proposition then the client would have shown interest to say, okay, tell me how can you solve with my problems? And then me or even my co-founders will, you know, kind of get into a conversation to engage with the client, let me understand your problem and so on. But the very first, how do you, you know, kind of put that, you know, kind of small, you know, incision, that prick to, to go in, right, for a, for a client is, is I, think, I think, very, very important. Now, what I, um, you know, that, that, that's one big, I would say, perceived challenge. Now, whether it's a challenge or not, uh, only became apparent when you say that, okay, look, you know, we can keep talking about it. 
but nobody is going to come and solve that problem for you the only way to solve it is well roll up your sleeves you know problem of being practitioner because you said that is also that and particularly when you are a little bit seasoned when you have been in the space for so they have already been there for 11 12 years i have spent some 17 18 years when i'm starting the math co being a practitioner with that experience also create a little bit of ego probably i don't know what is the right word oh you know how can i go and ask for this so blatantly right it will it will you know it's it, it, it's not my it, it's it's not my you know kind of cup of tea to do that so so that's a big roadblock that i've seen not not just for us or or we obviously overcame that you know kind of pretty early on but that happens with many practitioners right that look you know i've been doing this i know this know this subject and this area so well when i go and sell to somebody you cannot start from the pedestal right you have to start from where the buyer is and 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 if required you know kind of traverse that journey right right with the buyers through that so that was that was our our you know kind of one challenge the other big challenge for us is see when we started in the previous company go back to 2005 it was a very different world when i say it's a different world from a ai perspective from a data data driven insight perspective these are still very early days right the biggest job at that time was to educate the potential buyers or educate the clients about what data can do for you now if you fast forward to you know when math company started i don't think anybody you know there are probably exceptions here and there but you are not educating your clients about what data can do clients are far more matured right clients have seen enough they have been educated enough there is enough happening in the environment right wrong good bad i'm not getting into that but at least most of them will come and say hey here are specific problems that i am trying to solve or something if at all they come to the table so demand has matured a lot more than what we had seen early on and what we have been seeing supply has matured so much more the the space is let's call it crowded right i mean there are so many different kind of players you know there are not just players like ours there are people who are building very specific products right like you said there are saas products that are getting built there are platforms that are getting built you know all the data robot data iq and so and so forth there are platforms getting built products getting built so many different type of uh, custom solution providers you know pure service there is there is a lot of lot of variety how do you create you know kind of your niche or your space in in that you know feel is 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 very very important because see when you go and talk to a client you know the first reaction that at least in the first one or two that we would get and and you know it's probably you know you you also mature over time to to get get better at that is when you are you know the client would say look i think i'm i'm hearing this from 10 other people right and this i'm talking about early days when you have nothing now today i can talk about 10 you know kind of use cases like this i can open up codex i can show some applications the most of the time the clients eyes lit up and say wow let's talk more about it right but i'm talking about days where it's all about you know what you are proposing right right to do so so what you are what you are proposing to do is 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 what is important so how do you create that differentiation how do you create that niche in that space i think was another another big challenge hari that that i would say and that's where that's where our our belief in that look over the years what we have observed is that 
while the clients are spending millions of dollars on their service providers, vendors, partners, whatever you used to call it, they're not building any asset in the process, right? I mean, you know, people are coming and solving the problems for them. But tomorrow, if I have that problem, I again go back and, you know, depend on either the existing partner or I bring in a new partner to solve that problem. So this thought or this, you know, realization that, look, you know, this is not sustainable, this will not sustain. And we need to play a role in terms of, you know, enabling our clients, making them self-sufficient, you know. And, and as, I, as, I, as I told you at the beginning, right, you know, the path probably took, you know, from creating people-based solution to now tech-based applications. But I think this thought process of driving self-sufficiency, enabling them to become more matured, more self-sufficient has, has been, a, you know, kind of a big plank. And, and I, I think that, that, that clearly has um, helped us to a great extent to, to at least make our clients listen to us. So there has to be something where you can have to have a conversation starter, right? And then they say, yeah, this is interesting. Now let's talk more. Let's, you know, kind of peel the onion. Let's go deeper into what are you proposing? And, and then over the time it has evolved. Mm. Was there an aha moment uh, for you guys earlier on? Uh, was there a point where you suddenly realized that you are really on to something? I, I honestly, you know, kind of, um, I honestly don't um, recognize one aha moment. And, and, uh, uh, that is a little bit of me as well. Uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, it is not one one big things one big thing that that change you know stuff. There are a lot of lot of people ask me this question. You know, kind of in this journey, what will you consider as your biggest innovation, or or what have you done? You know, kind of very differently. And I keep saying that it is not one big innovation, but there are a lot of you know kind of incremental you know smaller innovation. And if you add them up. I think that's what create the magic. So sorry to disappoint on that question because there is no because there is no one aha moment. And there are there are so many. Let me having said that, let me let me come to you know kind of what are those right? Um, so and, and you talked about the phase when we are you know kind of moving away from creating center of excellences to you know building more more business applications. I think the first time we were able to demonstrate Codex to a client, right? And the and the client saying. This is exactly what I was looking for. And, and this, this happened. Somebody made this cover. And this was very early days, right? Somebody said, this is exactly what I was looking for. You start, you know, kind of getting a little bit of goosebumps that, yes, there is a resonance, right? And when that happens, and that's what I'm saying, when that happens, not one can be, you know, kind of an outlier, right? And this is a this is a very different client. Everybody will not be like that. But three out of 10 conversations, four out of 10 conversations, you know, you are hearing that kind of a response. You start feeling like there is, you know, it's my dam hai, right? There is, there is some meat in this. Let's, let's push more with our belief, right? In that direction. But, and, and look, I, I think at the same way, like you said, there are aha moment. There are also moments in, in another four meetings where somebody says, sorry, this, this will not work for me at all. Right? So, so that suddenly, you know, feel like, are you doing that? So, so it, it's, it's a, you know, very interesting up and down, up and down journey. But I think what is very important is to, you know, Take your heads off a little bit, you know, kind of take a 10,000 feet, 20,000 feet, 50,000 feet and, and see, are you overall making progress? Because if you are, you know, you are very related with one or two of those, of those conversations and even willingness to have a subsequent conversation and say, let's talk about a problem statement. You are, you know, really on cloud nine, if you will. 
But similarly, you know, the conversation which you are really banking on that I know that I am, you know, kind of really going to solve the problem for this client and they, you know, kind of say, sorry, you know, this doesn't work for me. I'm, I'm looking for maybe a off-the-shelf product or, or something like this or, or I'll build this with my platform. You know, there, there are different people with different point of view. You over time have, we have also influenced many people, right, in that direction. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, kind of no one aha moment, but so many of them and so many, you know, down moments as well, you know, where you feel like, yeah, you know, today both the conversations went south, you know, are we, are we, you, you question yourself that, that, and, and, and this happens a lot more in the early days, right? I mean, now probably it will take a lot more conversation for you to start even feeling that. I, I hope that never happens. Hmm. Hmm. Have you um, ever actively thought about what propelled you to want to become an entrepreneur? Hmm. Or is it just something that sort of happened? No, um, so see that the, the the math company, the specifics happened. I mean, that, that I told you the story. But somewhere deep inside, and this is about me, just, just me personally. I think I have, I definitely have that entrepreneurial streak. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, you know, in, in India, you know, anywhere in India, if, if anybody, uh, after their 10th, if you ask them, you know, what are you going to study? 90% um, people at least or, or they or their parents will definitely say what else physics, chemistry, maths you know kind of you'll, you'll, you'll do your you know you'll do your engineering you'll, if you're good enough you'll do your medical you know, that's where the world ends right somewhere in my 6th or 7th grade I remember you know telling my parents or, or anybody around that look everybody I look around in my family or and around everybody has studied physics, chemistry, maths and then either going to do either engineering or science something or the other I'm not going to do physics, chemistry, maths I have no idea what am I going to do, by the way. But I'm not going to do physics, chemistry, maths because everybody is doing that. And then, you know, it so happened that after my 10th, I, I got an opportunity to study a combination of economics, mathematics and statistics. Um, in, in West Bengal, you know, kind of in that board, uh, some schools and colleges were offering that kind of a combination. That started my, you know, first love with economics and then went on to study economics as an undergrad and so on and so forth. That's one example. When you're studying economics and you, you know, you are, you did well, obviously, if you're not applying to do your master's abroad, Delhi School of Economics, JNU, you know, these are, these are the premier institutes that everybody look forward to, to do their master's. Um, I also, you know, wrote my entrance exam. And I remember I, you know, kind of got through both of them with, with pretty decent, uh, um, you know, positions. But um, ISI, in my batch, offered, uh, you know, uh, this new course called MS in Quantitative Economics. M mine was the first batch. ISI is known for their you know, statistical education, which, which anybody who says ISI, they'll think that I've studied statistics, pure statistics. Because BSTAT, MSTAT has been their flagship, you know, kind of courses that they have offered. From my batch, that's the first time that they have offered. And I got to learn through somebody. And I said, look, this will be very interesting because, you know, Obviously, always loved maths and stats is, is a, you know, kind of a derived from, is an applied math, nothing else. This is a very interesting combination. And I opted for that. A lot of people were, look, ISI is an own institute, but they have never offered this course before. How do you know how this will pan out? I said, let me take that chance. So, so you'll see that, you know, there are, and there are many, many more stories like that. In, in, in GE, when I joined, you know, it was a very small outfit that I joined here in Bangalore. You know, there were probably five, six people at that time. Um, my second uh, stint that I joined with uh, 
music i told you right i was the i was the first one i was moving back from the us and i said yes to 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 something that has not even started so so i think that that streak was was always there um yeah maybe being a coming from a middle class bengali family you know we are we are not known for entrepreneurship in in general so so maybe maybe that somewhere you know probably prevented it for a while to to take the full plunge uh, and when this opportunity or or this con you know i i'd say more situation came up right and i said this is this is the best opportunity to to build something on my own mm. were you born in kolkata what did your parents do so my my parents were uh, has a very humble background they were uh, central government employees um uh, they both worked in uh, employees state insurance esic as it is called you know this is a government sponsored insurance program for you know wage laborers and and people like that so they were uh, central government employees um so so yeah so grew up in a you know very very you know humble middle class uh, bengali family in kolkata a lot of good fond memories mm-hmm. i also got to know again you know by way of trying to do some homework for this conversation you. Uh, you uh were exposed to music a lot yes. and and i think you've spoken about your brother being a professional musician so so now do you think about wanting to find space i mean personal space time in the middle of being a very busy entrepreneur to play sitar i mean i i heard that you play yes, sitar yes so. yes yes huh. um i'm trying to okay i i when i say i'm trying to this is this is a this is a very important and a you know controversial not controversial a hotly debated topic even within the company so so lot of people at least at least all the early people and many people know that you know i at least used to play sitar you know kind of and then everybody has been shy and you know why are you not playing now you know at least in our next anniversary would love to see you play so for the last two anniversary celebrations this has come up and this has gone uh. um after the last anniversary i said no i i i want to you know give it a serious shot because at times you feel like you know something completely different completely outside will will definitely help i i do i do stay in touch with music but that's more from a listening perspective i mean i i i really enjoy all forms of music you know anything from western classical to indian classical to bollywood to hip hop you know you can take a whole range instrumentals you know vocal but you practicing music and you you know kind of playing an instrument is a, is a very different uh, you know ball game so i at least took the first steps i you know i, I obviously have my instrument with me so this was not very regularly used so i had to go get it tuned now that it is tuned you know i have i have now figured out uh, you know maybe there is somebody that used to you know kind of learn with me long time back is now settled in bangalore so i said maybe i'll i'll go to him and you know kind of start even taking lessons fresh because that will at least create some discipline you know otherwise if you're just doing it on your own you know you don't put some discipline around you i'll i'll always get drifted i i do i do want to is 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 a right answer uh do i do enough not not yet uh but yeah i mean you know kind of as we are i think growing and maturing and you know i think we are growing stronger as a team there are uh, many more people at least in the senior leadership team who can you know take up things very independently i hope it will create some space for me to you know kind of practice music and and be with mm-hmm. did you have a favorite raga at any point or even now yes uh, darwadi kanada always uh, okay. yeah always anytime um so it's It's very interesting that you asked uh, yesterday. You know, it it was it rained very heavily. I don't know in yeah. other parts in in Whitefield it was raining very very heavily. Um, yeah, it was 
playing listening to uh, ravi shankar's i mean i i i learned from my my guru who was uh, one of the early disciplines disciples of uh, pandit ravi shankar okay. so so very tuned to the maihar gharana overall okay. to listen to so good that interesting that you asked just just last uh, yeah. night i was listening to it as uh, telling my wife this is still early evening for darbari but but nevertheless uh, you know still still it's okay yeah yeah and it's a raga which has a uh, really very interesting uh, and different nuances depending on whether you're listening to the uttariya version or yes, the karnataka yes, classical version. classical version so yeah by instrument it varies you know kind of rendered on veena versus rendered on sitar versus rendered on vocal yeah can have very different uh, you know kind of impact yeah a uh, quick point which is sort of bring you back to uh, you know the math company since you said the leadership team is now so much more robust and which kind of triggered this thought process um you will always remain the founder of this company um by the way i always say that you know kind of that's one thing that will not change you yeah. know the ceo is a, is a is a role that i play but but founder is i'll always yeah so that was my question i mean uh have you guys thought about having a professional ceo on the company for you where you focus a lot more on the big picture you know strategy for the company not not yet hadi i i i feel it's uh, probably still too early and too and early. Uh, and i think i think it's it's going you know kind of in the right direction uh, all that i can tell you that we are very practical people and not averse to make that call if we feel at some stage maybe that's the right thing to do uh, for the company mm. but but uh, not thought anything of that sort uh, you know in the near future at least okay a kind of a standard question to kind of you know finish uh, for you uh, what sort of the i mean on the technology side that you've kind of articulated it through this conversation in terms of wanting to be a market leader in your field of uh, expertise um, as as a company um, what's the thinking in terms of i don't know five years down the line uh, um, and you're in a position where you don't have to give a big exit to a large number of vcs or anything like that so you get to choose what you want to do so is is an ipo an aspiration yes um see ipo ipo is definitely a possibility i don't know if it is an aspiration okay. right so and and i'll i'll tell you why um lot of people ask me this question shayan you know do you do you look forward to an ipo i said okay tell me a you know kind of a good rational as to why i need to do an ipo so i i look at ipo as definitely one potential you know event that probably you know kind of i don't know maybe 4 5 years down the line you are you, that's one possibility so i uh, and and we as a co-founders uh, you know kind of always have always said this to ourselves that we want to keep every you know kind of options open and not uh, necessarily get stuck with you know we have to do ipo or we have to do this or we have to do that you know that way that that helps and 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 believe me uh, it is even more important in today's world because things are changing so fast right around us you know you you talked about chat gpt and you know some of the interesting things that it is doing it was not there 6 months back or or at least a year back yeah so with anything if you get stuck you will be you know kind of left behind somewhere so you you can't get stuck with you know gone are the days where you say this is my you know 10 year very specific vision and you're just working towards that you have to be always in tandem with where the world is headed what's happening around you both from a technology perspective and from a business perspective because as technology evolves business and business models are also evolving right i mean lot of these things were 
non-existent, you know, kind of 10 years back, 20 years back. Nobody thought about it. So for us, IPO is, is a definitely a possibility. For us, we can continue to, to, like you said, we might, you know, kind of take a broader role and and continue to, you know, kind of have a professional CEO and and continue to build this company. You know, our, our vision always has been to build a long-lasting institution, right? This should be an institution that creates a solid impact, right? And a solid mark on both clients and, you know, kind of team members and employees. So we'll, we'll do, you know, what is needed to, you know, kind of make that vision true, right? At, at, at the right, right point of time. But Ari, to be, to be honest, right now, you know, very, very focused deep down on, on building the company. And, and, and particularly this year and next is going to be, you know, because of all the things that are happening, you know, kind of globally, all the recessionary pressures, war, this and that. Uh, I, I think it is very important that you don't lose track on, you know, where you are headed, wh- where your next quarter is, you know, kind of while you obviously have your eyes open for the next five years, 10 years, but you can't lose focus on next quarter, sometimes next month, uh, because because that's where that's where things make and break. Right? That's where things can go off. Okay, excellent. Uh, wonderful conversation. Shine. Very good first update for me, sir, on your work. Uh, Obviously, so many things to talk about more, but I know I have to let you go now. Thank you so much for making time for me very generously. Definitely hope to keep the conversation going. My my pleasure, Hari, and, and fantastic conversation. Thank you. That's it for this conversation. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Startup Fridays. Until then, we wish you a good week ahead. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening. <laughs>